Good morning, Ness Hughes here with you for day four of this week's daily devotionals. Yesterday, I highlighted the big two sections of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. The first section emphasizes teaching on sexual immorality, and the second, which will be based in today, is more concerned with idolatry. The big ideas are around holiness and worship, but as Paul continues to communicate his main message, he dips into specific issues facing the Corinthians, either issues he's heard about or issues they've written to him about. In fact, chapter 7 begins with, Now for matters you wrote about. Paul is clearly instructing the Corinthians on matters of specific concern to them. I'm going to read in a moment the opening few verses from chapter 8, and you'll notice it begins with, Now about food sacrificed to idols. Paul is addressing a new topic. But this letter is the masterful work of Paul, theologian and pastor. He consistently ministers to the needs of the Corinthian Christians, while at the same time never departing from his driving message. God has called them to be his church, the people of God, saved by Jesus and gifted with the Holy Spirit. This is in essence everything they need to know. But these new converts, these worldly Christians, are still filled with the knowledge and wisdom of their pagan culture. They've mixed in the arrogant attitude of their competitive society in with their new understanding of Jesus and it has led to some questionable practices. Let me read now from chapter 8, verse 1. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We all know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Notice the quotation marks around, we all possess knowledge. Paul is quoting the Corinthians back to themselves, perhaps something they'd written in their letter. This happens at several points throughout the letter. You'll notice it in a moment again. Evidently, there are a group in the Corinthian church, those who think they know something, that have developed a particular practice around eating idle meat. But before Paul gets into more detail, he already names the problem. Knowledge puffs up, whereas love builds up. Knowledge has filled them with hot air. It's not substantive. It is empty in what it delivers and fills them with the false impression that this knowledge that they seem to have will be the right equipment for deciding how to handle decisions around eating idle meat. Love, on the other hand, will build up. It will edify, encourage, make strong the people of God. Paul has named the church as the temple of God. He did that earlier in chapter 3. And this temple, this eternal structure, will be strengthened with one material only, love. If they love God, they will realise that it is not about their knowledge of him or knowledge of anything else that matters, but his knowledge of them. He knows them personally, and this is to be the basis of their daily living. Well, back to chapter 8. It continues. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. 
For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Well, we see more of those quotation marks that I mentioned before, and these are quotations of what these knowledgeable Christians are claiming. Since they have come to realise and accept that God is the only and one true God, then for them there is no such thing as idol meat, for whatever has been sacrificed to pagan gods has essentially been sacrificed to nothing at all. Powerfully, they correctly claim to accept to have accepted the monotheistic basis of the ancient Israelites, and they repeat the Shema. This ancient Jewish prayer is referenced here. Yet for us there is but one God the Father from, all, from whom all things came and for whom we now live. And then Paul inserts Jesus into this prayer that is reserved usually solely for Yahweh. There is one God, Yahweh, and his oneness is retained even when the Son is revealed. The Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are one. And it is through the Son that all things have come to live. Well, based on this reality, it is true that eating food does not bring us close to God. And so this is their argument. Since an idol is nothing, and there are no gods but the one true God, we are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. However, as this group, this knowledgeable group, has self-identified a group of weaker brothers and sisters. Um, these we the weaker brothers and sisters who have not yet matured in this theology. So for them, when they eat sacrificed um, meat to idols, they are defiled because inwardly, spiritually, they feel that they're participating in false worship. And so with that in mind, Paul continues to write, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. What good is knowledge if it does not benefit your brothers and sisters, Paul is saying. They should not make their decisions about eating idle meat based on knowledge, but instead use the paradigm of love to inform their practices. As specific and hardline as Paul can seem to be at times in his letters, he holds Christian love as central in all matters at all times. We have been called by God's love, saved by Jesus' love, 
and empowered to love through the Holy Spirit. If we have fully understood God's grace to us in Jesus, then we have fully understood love. It always shows concern for others. It's generous, self-giving, gentle, kind and powerful. When Paul calls them to live as who they really are, God's holy people, this is what he's calling them to do. He wraps up his letter, and you can read on into chapter 16 where he does that. And in his conclusion, he emphasises this message. Chapter 16, verse 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. I hope you have a great day today. And in everything you do, consider how you might show this kind of God-shaped love to those you encounter in your day. Bless you, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye.